Should you persevere? Should you pivot? Or should you kill the project? The project that you love, the project you had so much invested in. Big, big dreams. It was going to change your campus. But then it was done. I really enjoyed today's conversation with Link Kroger. And he runs a program called Night Moves, and we'll talk about that. They're doing some really interesting work around computer science and coding. But I learned this idea of PPK. I hadn't heard about it before. I guess it's this agile, you know, sort of methodology, lean startup, you know, tech startup type of uh, vibe going on there and system that they use. But it's PPK, right? Persevere, pivot, kill. And I think for ruckus makers, this is something that you need to adopt because often a challenge that schools face is that they're just too much into the system, into the institution. We love our plans, our three-year plans that are very, very rigid and often not very realistic. And then no matter what, more hours, more effort, achieve the goal. And then it doesn't get achieved and nothing really happened. No new value on campus. What are we doing? (laughs) So let's learn how to persevere. Let's learn how to pivot. Let's learn how to kill and how to iterate right? Invent. And since this show is for ruckus makers, it's about designing the future of school now. PPK is one way to do that. It's about challenging the status quo. PPK is certainly a way to do that. And since you're a ruckus maker, you're investing in your continuous growth. So thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is Danny, Chief Ruckus Maker over at Better Leaders, Better Schools. And we'll be right back after some show sponsorship messages. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty in self-paced online professional development specifically designed for pre-K through 12 school leaders. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. TeachFX helps educators see how their instructional practices lead to student talk and learning in both in-person and live online learning for any subject at any grade level. See TeachFX for yourself and learn about special partnership options for ruckus makers at teachfx.com BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, everybody, we're here with a ruckus maker, Link Kroger, who's the president of Night Moves, a limiting profit company creating the next generation of elite technology professionals through extensive training and technology disciplines with an intentional focus on including Native American, rural, and urban underserved communities. Link, welcome to the show. Hey, Danny, thanks for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. And uh, I love the view from space. I'm getting the overview effect right now, and I have a lot of love and compassion for our our, uh, fellow citizens there on Earth. So, Link, you know, companies love to talk about diversity, right? Like, they just love to talk about diversity and inclusion. But most of the time, they're really just moving people around, you know? What, what do you think is going on there? Well, you know, you know, if you really look at companies, you know, and I've 
have 35 years, mostly, you know, larger company background, some startup, but, you know, companies really aren't designed for workforce development, right? You know, even if you look at apprenticeship models, that's a newer thing and they're super expensive and they're not very practical in technology spaces for a list of reasons we can go into. And, um, you know, they really look at the education system solving diversity inclusion, right? And even there, if you even just look at like within computer science nationally, 21% of students are women in computer science. And, you know, from a diversity perspective, it's ultra low. So if, if the college system isn't taking care of diversity, it's probably not going to happen in companies, right? Because that's where they get the majority of their entry-level talent. So that's my perspective on why um, companies really, their diversity inclusion is much more around like internal training, like, you know, becoming conscious of your unconscious bias. And, um, mm-hmm. and then on, you know, how do we really meet our goals but it is just moving people between companies for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, I guess, examining the root, solving the problems, and you know, and that that kind of thing. You know, something else that we were chatting about during our intro call as well, which I think is very interesting. You were wondering, like, are educational institutions the best suited for creating more diverse talent or computer scientists? Tell us more about that. That's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, well, you know, one is we try not to form perspectives. We try to ask and get feedback, right? And say, mm. when I say form perspectives, I mean, not going to something, not understanding why. So like with a Native American tribe, tribes working with the, um, there's a very low attendance rate to four-year college by Native Americans but there's often references on unused scholarships and you go, well, that seems like a paradox, doesn't it? But we don't even try to guess why that is. We just go speak to them, right? And say, Hey, why is it you have a low attendance rate in college? And they say, well, you, you, you know, well, geez, like you don't understand, you know, native Americans, there's like 374 tribes in this country and we're all different people groups, right? It's not like we're native Americans. It's like we're Navajo and Comanche and right. Cheyenne and Sac and Fox and Kiowa And there's only 4,000 of us left out in this remote plot of land. And if our kids leave and go to college, they don't come back. So we really encourage, because if they don't come back, we're going to die as a people group. So how do we stay together? Right. So that's a, that's like, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that. I don't want to try to guess, but like when we talk to young black men in, in the inner city and say, well, why, you know, are you going to college? And if they say no, which is generally the answer, right. It's, um, you know, you say, well, why, why wouldn't you go to college? And, you know, and what would you expect to hear? I mean, you'd probably expect to hear financial reasons, right? But that's pretty rarely it. It's more, uh, I just can't see myself. There's just no way I'm going to be sitting in a room for four years, right? Memorizing and just dying for four years in a classroom. You know, it's just not, not their mode of apparatus, right? So, so how do you create a learning environment where, individuals are moving and kinetic and applying what they're learning and not, you know, putting drool pans to catch from falling asleep, right. Who are used to being active. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the, the feedback we've gotten from more of the inner city group. Mm-hmm. Well, where'd you get that perspective from too? I mean, uh, obviously that serves you well. And I think having leadership curiosity, going to the source, asking questions, not assuming, you know, the answer, but wh- where'd that come from for you? Well, I think it's from so many years in the innovation technology space, right? Where, you know, you know, using approaches like design thinking that teach you to 
not go in with ideas or preset solutions, mm-hmm. but, you know, work, work off of the whole feedback loop. And if you're familiar with, you know, lean startup, you know, in the PPK methodology, that's pivot, persevere, kill. So you go into something, you learn, you know, the whole idea is how do you do something of value that's small, learn from it, and then either pivot, persevere, or kill, right? You, you go, oh, yeah. I learned something, pivot this way, or oh, boy, yeah, that's right. Let's keep going and persevere. You know, great concept. We got something of value to learn. Just kill this. It's not the direction to go. So, you know, that, that, that whole mentality and mindset for innovation is really just so ingrained that in our organization, just how we look at everything. Yeah, so I, I I haven't heard that before, so I want to pull on that thread a little bit more. I do talk to ruckus makers, you know, that watch the show, listen to the show about running experiments, right? What's an experiment, an innovation you'd like to try just to see if it works? You know, it's like, what if it works? And if it doesn't work, what do you learn as a result type of thing? Uh, but with the PPK that you were talking about, pivot, persevere, and kill, if I if I got it right, is there is there sort of a runway, you know, that a company or an organization might give themselves in terms of figuring it out. Yeah. Cause I'm just, I'm wondering like, how do they know, okay, it's not successful. We're going to kill it or we need to pivot or we just need to hunker down and, and persevere a bit more. Well, again, you know, you always say what's something. So, you know, you look at the old world. So I, I've been around in it, you know, information technology forever, right? It feels like back in the mainframe punch card days, but um, in the old days, you'd design everything, right? All this waterfall, ultra design, and, um, you know, everything was offshoring to India because you'd create all your hard requirements. In fact, I remember back in the 90s when my chief information officer who I reported to said, Blank, you know, you're, you're going to have to get out of computer science area because there will be no software developers in this country, you know, in 20 years. That's what people mm-hmm. thought back in the 90s because everything was going to India. But then this whole thing this whole evolution around um, extreme development, Scrum, Agile. And we became, we went from, let's say the information era era into the innovation era, right? Mm-hmm. So in the innovation era, it's all about how do you differentiate yourself, get ahead, right? I mean, why didn't Marriott invent Airbnb, right? Why? How does Airbnb mm-hmm. rent more hotel room, right? Um, why didn't Sears, Walmart, you know, go down the list, invent Amazon, right? Sure. Organizations are very, very bad at reinventing themselves and disrupting themselves. So, um, you know, just taking that, that whole pathway of doing something small that's valuable, learning from it and saying, did it work? Did, it, did your market receive it? Is it really giving the value you thought it would? And just making your adjustments off that and just keeping that PPK in mind, right? You're going to do one of those three right. things. Well, this is valuable. Keep going deeper, add more to it, right? Or eh, pivot a little. Gotcha. So I'm hearing the my question with the timeline is not as relevant. It's more the small step, the small experiment, the small innovation. What yes. have you learned, right? Being curious about that. And if it's good stuff, you're getting value, keep going or, you know, and if it's not so good, either kill it or, or pivot. Yeah. And you know, you're, the other problem with waterfall and just saying, I'm going to make this three-year rigid requirement locked plan is things mm-hmm. change. Like if you look at this initiative from the time I started it, I mean, the the big pivot disruptor to us was COVID, right? Yeah. I mean, but it disrupted it in a good way because if you were to ask me three years ago, what's the hardest part of this program if it's rural or Native American? Because uh, again, you know, our three demographics are urban, underserved, Native American, and rural, right? Very different contexts, 
But three years ago, I would have said, well, the hardest thing is to get companies to hire people coming from rural Native American because there was a lot of remote work. But it, I mean, now it's just a standard. It's still about 75% of IT shops say we're going to be remote forever in software development because it's, I mean, we've done it the last two years. Heck, we've done it to India forever. It's the standard. Um, but three years ago, unheard of. But the big pivot that created for us that was bad out of COVID is, you know, there's about a 1.4 million person shortage in computer science talent, right? In the United States. Wow. So what happened with COVID is all of a sudden you've got these armies of recruiters searching for tech talent. And now mm-hmm. if you're a community college software development instructor out in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden now they're recruiting you to make 30, 40,000 a year more. So three, four years ago, our primary strategy on our deployment of this was partnering with a local community college who would teach our foundational prerequisite courses. Now, my best guess is one in 15 community colleges nationally can even staff computer science instructors because, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you hire somebody for 60,000 when they can make 90,000? So we've, we've had to pivot to that and we didn't have a choice, but if we would have went into this with, this is our plan and we're going to leverage community colleges and we didn't have a PPK mindset, we'd be dead right now. We'd have closed because they almost don't exist out there as far as rural and Native American area community college software development instructors. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that story because, you know, you're talking about the disruption of COVID and how you had to make some moves and, and that kind of thing. I think my last question around this, and then I, I want to move us through uh, some other questions I prepared for you, but I'm really interested in, uh, you know, just could you talk about leadership presence and leadership DNA in terms of being okay with the pivot, right? Because a ruckus maker watching or listening, they're going to They've gone through experiences where they've had to change and evolve as an institution or as a leader, uh, but change is hard, right? And sometimes it feels a bit, you know, scary and you're, you're just like, oh man, can, can we do it? And that kind of thing. But if you get stopped by your fear, you're really in for a world of hurt. You know what I mean? You need to have your eyes open and uh, be prepared to make those changes and that kind of stuff. So, you know, what is it about link and leadership presence and DNA that allows you to be okay with the pivot or even killing a project that you really wanted to see succeed? Yeah, well, you know, first is we use the word experience a lot, right? Is this, you know, are you experienced? And, and the first thing is just to level set with yourself and say, well, there are only one pathway to experience, right? And that's experimentation. That's where the word comes from. So the reality is the only way you're experienced is you have a whole collections of experiments and that's, that's life, right? But you know, it is a big transition, like companies who switch from that whole waterfall mentality, you know, and there's some things you have to do more waterfall. When I say waterfall, I hope people understand what that means, right? But it means very detailed plans um, of everything you do. Ultra high failure rate in the technology space, right? You look over the last 20, 30 years, and you look at statistics around the success rate of, you know, IT technology projects completing on time, on budget, right? It's abysmal. And what we learned is, you know, it's we're so, so planned and structured. We, we um, like once you're in the agile world, I don't know if you've ever seen a Gantt chart, Danny, but like, you know, if you use mm-hmm. Microsoft Project or whatever tool, right, is you won't see one of those any around anyone doing innovation or around, you know, agile or PPK because it's, it's really, um, I would call it a tool for people that um, just want to feel safe, like, when we see a structure and we see a plan, we feel safe because, oh, mm-hmm. here's how it's going to flow. Show me how my next three years of my life is going to work. Well, you know what? 
you don't know what COVID's coming around. The, you just don't know. So you've yeah. just got to realize you don't know what's going to happen when you do this, right? You don't know. You've got to learn. And then you've got to, what you learn from, you've got to be able to pivot. And, you know, slight commercial here on, I guess if you'd say my biggest gripe of like the federal government is sure. everything is this giant waterfall. So like I've had some meetings with government officials on, they're like, well, what can we do different? And I'm like, well, I mean, look at your rural broadband, right? It would get stuck for years because you make it a billion dollar price tag, right? Now, mm -hmm. how about we took an approach where we, cause you know, they're trying to say, well, how do we roll broadband out to every rural community? So everybody has it, which is a great focus, right? But they look at it only from a waterfall perspective saying we've got to get everything and, you know, we got to have, a okay, what if we just said, what are all the rural communities that have a hospital or an education school? And we pick those first. Okay, now you're down to, you know, a small percentage of those communities. Do those first, see what you learn. That's your high priority, right? And then do your next slice. You break it into slices. But once you get used to it, you can't go back to waterfall. It's just so natural. It works so much better. People flow and work as a team. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I'm fired up to learn more about PPK now. Uh, and I can't wait to, you know, is there is there a book or something that you might recommend oh, for... Tons of great lean startup. I, I just look yeah. out there for lean startup and uh, there's a lot of great, I mean, it's how Silicon Valley runs, right? If you want to talk sure, about sure, sure. how does how do innovative solutions get developed? It's yeah. really the framework. Yeah, and I know you're talking about uh, government, but bureaucracy, education is a bureaucracy too, right? And they also love these, you know, three-year, very detailed, very rigid plans which a lot of times don't come true, right? And so I, I think there's a lot that we can learn, you know, from industry and from uh, especially tech, you know, the tech world and uh, um, agile thinking and lean startup, like you're saying, in terms of uh, the approach to the work, especially in modern days. So, you know, some, some that I think came through with uh, PPK, you know, um, but also talking to Native American populations and, and other groups of folks that you serve, feedback loops, came, you know, I think is a thread there. And so just, can you talk a little bit about the importance of just messaging to what people care about in, in utilizing feedback loops uh, as, as part of your process? Yeah. I, you know, I'll just, I'll give you one example area. When we first started, when I first started presenting like the high, so we primarily focus on the high school age individuals for this, right? I'd say it's 85% approximately, and then about 15% mid-career workers who are transitioning, yeah. right? But the reason we have such a heavy focus on high school age is if you're going to get more people into tech and you're going to get more diversity in tech, you better do it before they're 18 years old. Because like in Iowa, where I live, the average age of someone who goes to like a code camp after mm -hmm. they graduate high school is 36 years old, right? So mm -hmm. there's this big chasm of age from when they go, oh, I could be doing tech. So if you don't get them, then you might have to wait 18 years, right? And you're just... How are you ever going to turn the amount of people into it, especially with diversity, right? So when I first started presenting to high schoolers on why they should be interested, because my job was to go inspire them, right? To sign up. Basically, how it started was, here's your local community college partner, which, by the way, that's still our massive partner out there, right? Any community we're in, if there's a community college who offers our, our software and prerequisites, that's our first stop always, right, is that's the best partner. And that's really the way the system's designed, if you look nationally, right, is high schools and community colleges working together. But basically, our job is to go and inspire these young people in 30 minutes 
to say, wow, I could be interested in a career in technology. I had no idea I'll sign up for that course next semester. Horrible responses, right? But mm-hmm. we were going in and presenting with why adults would care, right? Of, you know, it's, you know, low cost and all these things that, you know, an adult would be like high on the list. Right. You, you know, you sit and you think about, right? Okay. Do, do one in 20 high school kids even understand what debt is? They've never sure. made a debt payment, right? So when you start Not talking yet. about <laughs> debt high schoolers, that's something mom and dad do, right? It's not real. So feedback loops, right? I didn't realize that. I'm like, well, I could, so you see there's no response to certain, certain things. And you say, well, why don't you guys care? And now you're like, well, why would I care about that? And then, so I go, okay. So then I started taking like a little stack of $453 of cash with me. And I'd say, I'd hold it up here. And I'd just say, and this wakes them up too, right? Because keep yeah, yeah. money. I'd say, hey, I got, I have $453 here. Does anybody think they could do something meaningful with that? Everybody raise their hand because I think I'm going to give yeah. it away, right? Sure, and sure. I go, okay, so realize the average person um, in this demographic going getting this degree, they're going to have on average a $453 a month payment every month of their life for like 15 years or 10, you know, depending yeah, on how yeah. much money mom and dad put in or scholarships. And, and I say, well, how old is the, you know, oldest person in this room? And it's usually like 16, 17. I go, okay, now imagine this. The entire time you've lived your life till now, every month you're going to pay this much for about as long as you've been alive. And they go, oh my God, that's a lot. I mean, every month I got to do that? 450 bucks? No way. So then you get them conscious to what that, because they have no idea, right? So, mm-hmm. so basically we had to go through that discovery phase of what do they care about? And in the end now, when we present to youth after getting the feedback loops and incorporating it, We'll get 30 to 40% of all the high schoolers we talk to, to, um, to say, wow, I'm really interested in this. I'd sign up for that course. Um, yeah. I'd say the other is, you know, this is kind of an interesting one. We really push. So every counselor I've ever worked with, of I don't know, 60, 70 high school counselors has been a woman. But um, I always say, whatever you do, when we come in and speak to the kids, the high schoolers, don't filter people out. Let us talk to everybody because when we can speak to everyone, we'll get a 35. So of, of those young people interested in taking that course and taking the next step, we will get 38% approximately um, women or female inclusion in it, which is very high, right? For high school mm-hmm. percentage, right? Normally it's closer to seven to 10. And when the counselors pick who can come because based who they think would be interested, we'll get less than 10% interest because we filter out all those people for whatever reason we don't think would be interested, but they are because we're still using this old profile of what people would be interested in computer science and, you know, tech. Yeah. Then maybe that's one of those, you know, you were talking about bias earlier in the, in the conversation, but that's a really important point for ruckus makers to, to hear is we do things uh, sometimes unconsciously, sometimes consciously, um, but filtering kids out is, you know, that's a perfect example, thinking that they meet the profile for computer science. So here's the kids that would be interested and you talk to them and you, you're telling us you're less successful when you talk to those kids who fit the profile versus let's just open the doors, welcome everyone. And then more kids are now involved. We'll, and we'll that's get four a, times really, more women if it's not profiled. 
right? Yeah, perfect. So that's that's super duper important point for a ruckus maker. Like, don't filter kids out. Uh, so you're, you're talking about connecting with youth and inspiring them and teaching them stuff about you know uh, what the <laughs> debt and this kind of thing. That's not what your program's about. Your program's called Night Moves. And do you mind sharing with our community? You know, what's the program doing? Who's it for? Yeah, so night moves and it's night like the chess piece, not like the Bob Seger song. So we we really do four things. The first is we have a training program that rivals a four-year degree. When I say rivals a four-year computer science degree, I mean companies that hire our graduates will say that our graduates are at the same level as a four-year computer science degree graduate who has six mm. months experience on the job, right? Mm. The second aspect is that... We only focus um, our training programs on communities and either Native American rural or urban underserved communities, right? It's not an online program. It's not, we're not recruiting people to get into it. We work and get the right match communities because it's not just an individual, it's a community aspect, right? So think of a community getting 15, 25, 50 annual every year new tech jobs, right? Because that's the point is is getting those communities transformed, right? How do we reverse gentrification? So how do we go into an inner city neighborhood and take the people that are there and uplift them, get them making more money, get small businesses going, right? And the people in those communities revitalizing them and bringing wealth versus having money coming in, pushing all the people out there there because they can't afford to live there anymore, right? So it's very community focused. So that's... Um, that's that's an um, and then inspiring people into tech is 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 a um, a big piece of ours. We also um, the third big leg is we are social innovators, meaning all these PPK talking we've been doing. Our primary sure. method of of education is we don't have classrooms, we don't have curriculum, we don't grade. You yeah. by the end of the scheduled six months. If it takes you six months and it takes me nine months, that's great. So it's not even, I mean, we go in with a six-month assumption, but then there's feedback loops with the student. This is exactly where you're at, right, with where you need to be. But you only graduate our program when you demonstrate you can do every aspect of the job. So when we, when one of our graduates goes to a company, we have certified they can do everything because to a company, we tell them, would you rather hire someone that just finished their education or hire someone who demonstrated they could do the job? And the the training that you do is everything you create, it goes into production. So if you think about, let's say you're writing software and you're at a community college or college, right? And you turn in your, your homework and the professor grades it. All right. So that's great, but you're really writing it to learn and to get a grade. Everything you create in this goes into production, right? And when I say production, sorry, IT speak, right? It goes live. It's real users, but yeah. everything you create also is for the benefit of society, meaning you're going to be on a project with seven to 12 people and you're going to focus on creating a technology that innovates homelessness, right? Hunger, um, sex trafficking, drug addiction, natural disasters. I mean, all these areas, as long as it's a nonprofit 501c3 area, it's going to be an area that we've already had a team assess what's a high impact um, social benefiting solution we could implement so instead of just creating like Ubers and Amazons, we're creating technologies that make the world better and help other people's lives, which, by the way, resonates with young people to say, I want to be part of that, Big right? Time. How do I get to mm -hmm. be part of it? And then the fourth area that we do is we actually do services for 
companies, we have clients, like we do consulting technology services. And originally Night Moves was a nonprofit and we flipped to a social benefiting model because our attorneys kept saying, you can't do that. That's not legal for a nonprofit. You can't do that. And I said, fine, our intention isn't to make money, but we've got to do the things it takes to get this done right. So we don't care if we're a nonprofit or not. It just means we can't take donations. Great. We do services. We make money off of that. And we pay for our social benefit, our social benefiting program through doing our services. Interesting. Well, Link, I'm loving this conversation. You are for sure a ruckus maker when you're talking about no curriculum, no classrooms, no grades, right? It's just demonstration that you you can do the job. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. And that's for sure designing the future of school now. I want to pause here just for a second to get some messages in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we could talk hopefully a bit about how Night Moves is a bit different than traditional code camps. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people, and leading learning. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. The BLBS podcast is also brought to you by TeachFX. Research shows that the more students speak in class, the more they learn and the better they perform. TeachFX has helped hundreds of schools increase their student engagement by visualizing for teachers what portions of class are teacher talk versus student talk. Learn more at teachfx.com slash BLBS. And today's show is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal-setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. You can learn more and improve your students' executive functioning at organizedbinder.com. We're back with Link Kroger, the president of Night Moves. Uh, we've been talking really interesting stuff, what we can learn from tech, PPK, uh, how Night Moves has no curriculum, no classroom, no grades, so much value in today's conversation. And I know you just talked about sort of the four legs of Night Moves. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else to add to this, but how else is Night Moves different than what we might uh, see in a traditional code camp? Yeah, and I'd say there's almost no overlap at all with the Night Moves approach with a code camp. Um, okay. So if you think of a code camp, right, you basically make a decision, I want to go learn software development, and you sign up somewhere from a four to six month code camp. So mm. it basically compresses, you know, learning all the aspects of software development in four to six months, right? And it's they're generally very classroom style because you're you're having to learn it, right? You know, learn how do I write Java or C sharp and the syntax and object oriented, right? And so it's very curriculum, very very curriculum based. And there's a lot of great programs. You know, I mean, I, App Academy in San Francisco is phenomenal, right? And they have almost a six figure graduation rate of somebody going. It's a very intense, highly scrutinized who can get into it uh, program out there. But it's a fantastic code camp. Um, it's more expensive than our program, but um, so. I just say that as a little bit of a jab because, it's, you know, ours is really more of a two to three year program. So here's the difference, right? You spent four to six months going through the curriculum in the, in the code, in the code camp. Ours, you start by taking seven computer science courses, right? And again, we're focused on the height. And the other thing is code camps are generally more mid-career workers 
you know, adult transitioners versus mm -hmm. focused on high school, right? But we're focused on starting your junior, your sophomore, or junior. Usually it's the junior year in high school because in most high schools across the country, that's the year. They like their freshman and sophomore year of high school to be very focused on getting their requirements so they can graduate done. And then there's often some kind of career academy or CTC that starts your junior year. So it's a good match to junior year. So we try to get them starting to take one software development course a semester of their junior and senior year, minimally, right? Junior year mm -hmm. two. But you have to take seven courses. And those would be the same seven courses you'd take if you went to a four-year college, right? But then after you, but you learn how to write software. But then when you come to our six-month program, it's full-time. Again, no curriculum. You're only you're taking that and applying it. But now you're learning how to be a commercial software developer, right? How do I make scalable software? All of these modern techniques of continuous integration, continuous development. Like if I interview a four-year computer science graduate and I show them everything you have to demonstrate our program, they'll generally say, I heard of one or two of those and we were taught around them in college, but we never actually did them, right? And that's really the main difference, right, is the education. So, I mean, so leveraging a community college to provide those seven courses, ultra valuable, valuable right? Because somebody needs to teach them. It's not that that goes away. But now how do you take that and turn it into real world experience, right? Where you're building, I mean, plus we have real users, right? I mean, if I'm speaking to you and you're running a homeless shelter and I'm saying, okay, Danny, you know, let's talk about the solution. And you're talking about real human beings you impact, right? It's not academic, yeah. it's we're solving it. And when my software goes in, it's gotta work. So it puts a whole different unction into what I'm doing because I'm solving a real problem. Real human beings are going to use it and it better not break. It's got to be scalable. It's got to be secure, right? All these aspects that they learn around, how do you really apply security, right? We're going to test their code and see, are they actually applying all these security techniques you need to apply that you need to know walking into Google, right? You need to walk in, yeah. you know, and you can walk off of our teams and go to Google and get a job, right? I mean, it's, right, right. it's that level. So hopefully that answered your question there, Dan. Yeah, well, it seems very relevant. Uh, it's very rooted in solving real-world problems, and so it's uh, very meaningful for both the the student and you know the human being on the other side of what they're creating. Um, and that's awesome, you know, that that students that go through the program can go to a Google or any place, right? That's going to need some kind of computer yeah. scientist. And, and I think you mentioned earlier in the show, you know, they, they already have the skills and the experience of somebody that had that degree plus some time on the job. Like, wow, they, if that doesn't talk about the quality of the program, you know, I don't know what else would. So well, really one, appreciate one, you. One too is if you think yeah. about a code camp, right? You're, you're learning everything you've ever learned about software development in four to six months. Okay. So that's a big compression, right? That's a, mm -hmm. That is very compressed. Whereas with ours, it's probably going to be closer to three years sure. where you're learning. So you think about the learning and processing and growing over two to three years, probably closer to three versus four to six months, you know, seven courses, six months, and then six months on a job versus four to six months in a classroom. No comparison. I hear you. So Link, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a single day, what would your message read? Whether you can or you can't, whether you whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Henry one, Ford, right? I, you know, I don't remember who said it, but one of the, have you ever heard of flea training, Danny? Mm -mm. 
So if you look it up, it's a, you know, can I share this metaphor with you real quick or is there time? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's time. So, Go ahead. you know, like the concept and I, and I, and this is something especially like, uh, and so, you know, in your education group, you might be familiar with like, you know, different, you know, at risk groups, they'll come in, right. Of, of young kids who, their goal is to get them to graduate high school and to go to community college, right? Because there's probably no chance these kids gear up. It's like a group we work with as a federal group, right? That's yeah. how do you keep, you know, typically single moms, a lot of poverty, right? Dif- difficult mm-hmm. background. But anyway, this is the thing that I always bring up to them is when they come in and they'll see these technologists working, well, ask the question, do you think this could be you? And you're like, well, how could this be me, right? When I say, well, let's, let's talk about flea training. So if you take a flea and you put it in a jar, it jumps out. But if you put a lid on the jar, it can't jump out anymore. And just, you know, it's a dink, dink, dink. And it learns I can't jump that high. I jump a little lower than the Mm -hmm. lid. Now you take the lid off and the flea can't jump out. Can't Mm -hmm. jump out right now. Can that flea jump out? And you ask the students this, right? And they go, well, some say yes. And some say no. And you say, well, just a second, what determines if that flea can jump out of the jar? Is there anything physically blocking that flea? No. So what's blocking them? Well, they believe the lid is there. Exactly. If you believe that anyone in this room can't have one of these jobs, you're that flea in the jar that doesn't have a lid, but you believe there is. Because there's always, when we work with the Gear Up group, there's a community college right there. All those kids can go for free. So all of you could actually go to our prerequisite program for free and succeed and then go to our follow-up program. So just to get their minds opening to this is possible for me is the biggest concept, right? So that whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. It's the most yeah. important aspect. And Gay Hendricks uh, from the Big Leap, he would call that an upper limit challenge. You know what you're talking about that that lid. So cool. Now, Link, uh, you're building your dream school. Uh, you are building it from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school? What would be the three guiding principles? Well, the first is being safe. And by being safe, I mean socially safe, right? Um, physically safe. You know, working between rural and urban schools, that's one of the big differences, right? Is there's more of a survival mentality in an urban school. You don't have much of a survival physical mentality, right, in a rural school. But there's still the bullies and, pe- you know, people make, being embarrassed. But having a safe, right, being safe. The second would be, Everything's based on discovery and experience, right? Is discovering experience. You probably heard that. And I'd say the other is um, just really effective teachers, right? You know, it's, uh, I can't remember which book it was that I read, but, you know, they asked 400 graduates from school, tell me what impacted you most in school. Nobody ever says the curriculum and the book I had in math or whatever, you know, it's always some impartation that teacher did into their life, right? That that wasn't just a teacher, it was a person who could bridge people to their future. Right, yeah, and showed that they cared. So I think we covered a lot of ground on today's conversation. Of everything we discussed, what is the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Well, and since this group is so education-centered too, I'd say um, what you were talking about earlier, right, is don't be afraid to experiment. Just accept Mm -hmm. that that, and if it doesn't feel comfortable, experience, try some PPK, right? Just go do some or do something of a little value, get some feedback and not be predetermined on what your next step is, right? Just be determined on one step and try it. 
Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.